Wow, this is really exciting. What a great honor it is to be here. Corey wasn't kidding when she said she was excited to meet me. She was one of the type of kids that was not interested in introductions. She ran up to me and literally assaulted me. Like, I, I didn't know what was happening. I thought that maybe somebody was trying to get me or was out for me or whatever, but she came and gave me a huge hug and she said, you're my, my new youth pastor and I'm so excited to meet you and it was awesome. But hey, I just want to thank uh, President Gorvette and Dr. Smith and uh, Scott and Elizabeth for having me here. This is just an awesome, awesome honor, and I'm so excited to be here to preach the Word of God to you. So let's pray again. Let's talk to the Lord a little bit more. Lord, we just love you today, and God, we exalt your name right now. Lord, you are amazing. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Lord, we praise you. We thank you, God, that we're all be here because of you, because you have called us, because you have drawn us out of the kingdom and domain of darkness into your marvelous light. And Lord, you have transformed us. Lord, you have made us new people. You've given us a call and a purpose, Lord, and a plan for our lives. Lord, you have filled us with your Holy Spirit, and you've commissioned us to go out and to preach the gospel to every living creature, to make disciples of the nations, Lord. God, we are to prepare people for death. We are to prepare them for the time where they're going to face you and give an account for their life. And Lord, today we want to be filled even more. God, would you just right now, as we pray and as we meet with you, begin to fill us, Lord, and strengthen us. Lord, that we would eat of you, we would drink of you, that we would be overflowing with the presence and power of the Holy Spirit today. Lord, we need all that we can get of you, and we ask that as I begin to use these feeble words and share about some of my experience in waiting, Lord, that you would help us all walk out of here worshiping you more, longing for you more, hungrier than we've ever been for you. God, that is my heart, and I know that you will be glorified, Lord, if any, even just one person walks out of here wanting to worship you more today. God, we love you. I pray you'd shake us up and excite us and impassion us for your purpose. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, I'm gonna be talking a lot, a lot about down payments today. And I don't know if anybody knows anything about down payments, but the reason I'm going that route is because of the verses that you heard the girls read today. You know that we're in a series right now on the cross to Pentecost. And there's not a whole lot of scripture there. You know what I'm saying? There's only, there's only a few little slivers of scripture to talk about. So I figured that all of the other speakers were probably going to take their time to walk through those scriptures, and I did the wrong thing, and I assumed that you wouldn't need to hear a whole lot about those verses. But I had them read nonetheless so that you would get an idea of what it was like. They were commanded to wait for the Holy Spirit for the, re the receiving of the promise of the Father. And they hung out and they did exactly what they were supposed to do, and that's exactly what happened. But what I want to tune in on is what it would have felt like what it would have been like to hear the last words of Jesus. Think about what power last words have in this world, right? And in the lives maybe of, of you or your family or your friends or anybody that you've ever known that have, have had last words given to them by somebody that they love that was passing away. The power contained in last words can change somebody's life forever. And these people were the same way. They heard the last words of Jesus and they actually took everything he said seriously. When he said to go out and make disciples, they did that. When he said, hang out in Jerusalem, they did that. But imagine the expectation and the excitement. They just couldn't wait to get the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is a down payment. So follow me on that idea, okay? Engagement rings are like a modern-day down payment. 
And I know that here at Ringswood, I mean Kingswood University, nobody knows anything about engagement rings. There's no experts on engagement rings in here, but engagement rings are pretty cool. They're like down payments. What do engagement rings do? What are they all about? They're all about earnest. They're all about your commitment, your plan to follow through in this relationship. Amen? Come on. Can I get somebody to give me a little feedback here? Like, you, you know you love somebody. You know you want to marry them. You know that you're called to this woman, gentlemen, because you're the ones buying the engagement rings, and if you're not, we're going to have a talk, okay? But you want this lady. You know that you're called to her, and you go and get this engagement ring because you plan on making her yours. Is that right? And the engagement ring's the earnest. And... Like, I, I remember when Casey and I were at that stage in our relationship where I knew I was going to marry her, I knew God had called me to her, and uh, it was like a really terrifying experience to like really know in that moment that, oh my gosh, I want to marry her. You know, like this is not because of her, but because I am, I'm going to be responsible for her. I can't even take care of myself, let alone take care of somebody else. This is crazy. So I remember I came to that place, but then I went to the ring store, and I saw this beautiful engagement ring, and I was like, oh, man, this is the one I know she wants. And thank God Almighty, there was this beautiful gift called layaway. Oh, God is so good. That was like provision from God. I had layaway. I was able to keep that ring at the store and make a monthly payment on it, and that was so awesome. You know, and I would just long for that day when those payments would be up. You guys know what I'm saying? I, I would long for the moment when all of my payments had been made so I could take that ring, put it in its cute little box, and plan the whole day where I was gonna ask her to be my wife. I just long for that moment. I would, I would just imagine it, right? I would play it out in my mind. I would think, man, this is gonna be so cool. I'm gonna get like a driver, and I'm gonna get like all dressed up, and I'm gonna get her a dress, and I'm gonna get her the right shoes, you know, and make sure they fit her right and all that stuff, and I'm gonna get my tie on, and we're gonna to go to the right spot, and I just had this thing all envisioned, and every time I made that payment, just one payment after the next, I was thinking, oh, I can't wait for that moment. I would just envision it. And then also, I would be envisioning her at the mall with a bare hand, right? Walking around, picking something out, her hand exposed, <laughs> and a couple young men hanging out and thinking, wow, she's gorgeous. I'm going to go talk to her. And without the protection of the ring, <laughs> Lord knows what would happen. I just wanted to put the ring on her finger so that when that fool would take a wrong look at her, the light would shine down from the, from the ceiling and hit that ring and just temporarily blind him. And he would say, oh, no, she's not the one. Some of you guys know what I'm saying. I couldn't wait to get the engagement ring. Engagement rings are down payments, they're earnest. You knew you want to be in that relationship, so you put the down payment on. You know the other thing great about, about engagement rings? Ladies, you want a guy that's going to go through quite a lot of trouble to get this engagement ring, a guy that's going to put all he's got into it, okay, a lot of money into it. Now, here's the reason why. Not because really it's about the rock. It's not about the rock. It's not about what it looks like. It's not about how you can show all your girlfriends how pretty it is and all that stuff. That's not what it's about. It's about this. You want him to know that he's serious. And you want to know that he's serious. Because if he all of a sudden gets cold feet, that ring is going to remind him that he should not be getting cold feet. And if things don't work out, you know it's customary that the lady gets to keep the ring, right? Right? You know that that's how it works. 
If he gives you the engagement ring and then the guy backs out, then you still get to keep that ring. Can I get a down payment on a student loan from somebody? Can I get a down payment on a car from somebody? Come on, that's going to help the healing process a little bit, isn't it? If he walks out and you got this beautiful rock on your finger, you can just throw that puppy down on a car. <laughs> down payment on a house. Get yourself a new purse. Get yourself a new wardrobe. I don't know. Whatever's going to help you. That's divine provision for your healing. Help you get over it real fast. I'm only half serious about that. You know, down payments are really exciting. It's really cool to look forward to them and, and get yourself psyched up. And I remember it was seven months was how long it took me to pay off Casey's ring, and it felt like forever. There was also this time when um, Casey and I knew that we were going to move to Presque Isle. We, we got this call from God to become uh, the youth, for me to become the youth pastor at Presque Isle Wesleyan Church. And I was living in Biddeford, Maine. That's 320 miles away south. And I'm thinking, man, wh where is Presque Isle? Like, we didn't, even, we didn't even know where that was. I don't even think I ever heard of it before. And we went online and we started looking at houses because we had never owned a house. I had bad credit um, from a whole lot of really bad decisions I had made. And I knew that we needed time to, like, build up our credit. But we were really believing God to provide for us in this journey. Like, we were looking online at all these different houses. There's great houses, great market, but we just didn't know which house we wanted. And I remember Casey had uh, this one house she really loved, and she kept looking at it. She's like, that's the one. I want that house. And I'm like, honey, that is like way above, <laughs> like way above what we're able to afford. That's crazy. And then our son had this little dream, and he's like, you know, four. So he's like, mommy, I see a red house in my dream. And, you know, he was also looking at the computer at the same time that she was, and he saw a red house on the computer, so I don't know about that stuff. But, but here's the cool thing. So we move up there without any place to live. Pastor Bud Fancy was so incredibly gracious. He said, just move in with me. All three of your kids and your wife, just move in in our house, and you can live here. And that went really awesome, like the whole time. They're incredibly gracious, plenty of room in their house, but it's not our house. And our kids are all over the place, and we're going to wreck stuff, and we need to get our own house. So we are heavily motivated to get out of this house, but we have no money, we have no credit. So we are trying to pull every string possible. We're looking for places to live. Nothing's working out. So long story short, this lady who had moved away 18 months before we got there called Pastor Bud and said, I heard that you have a youth pastor who's living with you, looking for a home. We have a house, and we are looking for somebody to lease to own this house. We were looking for a lease to own arrangement. And that was exactly what we wanted because that was the best fit for us. We knew that we couldn't afford everything else. We wanted someplace we could rent, but yet at the same time work towards. And nobody else had that option. So we met with this person. And when we're meeting, this most incredible thing happened. I just want you to hear this, okay? If you don't think God can provide for you, this is the testimony that he can. They said to us, here's the rent that we're looking for every month. And half of that payment that you make, what we'd like to do because we're pretty sure this is a God thing. We want to take half of that, put it into an escrow account, and that escrow account at the end of the lease term will become your down payment so you can buy the house. I mean, and my jaw hit the floor. This just doesn't happen. People don't do this. It was just amazing. And then I said, of course, yes, and Casey and I like, just couldn't believe it. The, whole, the cool thing about this is this house after we had that conversation, we haven't even seen the place yet, this house was the house that she had looked at on the computer that I had told her was the one that we would never afford, and it was red, like the dream my little boy had had. Pretty amazing, right? Yeah, God is alive, God is awesome, God is real. 
So we ended up moving in, and here's the thing. That every payment we made was going towards a down payment. And when you live in someone else's house, there's always a little bit of anxiety about what you can and cannot do. And, and it just doesn't feel like yours. You're like, I'm living in this house, but it's not my house. I wanted that day to come where it was going to be my house. I wanted the day to come where I could write the check for the down payment and give it. I was so pumped for that down payment. I couldn't wait to get it. And every month we made that, that, uh, that same rent payment to them. I'm thinking, I'm one month closer. I'm one month closer. And I was so excited for it. The reason I'm emphasizing this so much is because the Holy Spirit of God is the down payment. I want to show you a verse in Ephesians chapter 1. You've probably read this a million times. Ephesians 1.14, there's another instance of the same uh, portion of Scripture in Ephesians 4 as well, but we're just going to look at Ephesians 1.14, and I'm going to read it out of the Holman Christian Standard because uh, I like the way they render it, okay? I'm just going to be cheap like that, but I'm also going to share the other, the other versions too. But here's what it says. It says, he is the down payment of our our inheritance. He is, the Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance for the redemption of the possession to the praise of his glory. Other translations render it earnest, I've already used that term, guarantee, deposit, or pledge. This is for you, and here's why. The down payment is a lot like the degree that you are working on right now. The degree program that you're in is like a deposit, like a pledge, like an earnest towards your career, towards your call. You're making an investment into your future right now. You're telling everybody that you're serious about your call, that you're serious about serving the Lord. You're getting yourself prepared, getting yourself ready. And when the Holy Spirit came and he uh, came upon them to empower them for ministry. It was kind of like God's approval of them. It was kind of like God sending them out with what they needed, much like what will happen when you graduate and this faculty and staff will sign your certificate approving of you and giving you the tools that you need in order to get your job done, in order to be successful in ministry. Do you see the connection? The apostles, they waited for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And it came. They obeyed him. They did what he said. They hung out. They no doubt, if you just try to put yourself in their shoes, I'm sure they had a lot of fear. I'm sure they had a lot of temptation. I'm sure that they had doubts just ripping through them all the time. Is it going to come? Is it going to come? Is this really happening? And no doubt, they wanted to walk away or turn away, but they didn't. They hung in there. They worked and they trusted, and then the Holy Spirit came. Likewise for you, if you push through and you do what they say, your faculty and staff, and you listen to them and you push through and you fight against the doubts and the temptations and you know the laziness and the procrastination and all of the other things that are just natural for students to fight against, then you guys will get there too. Then you're going to receive the down payment. You're going to receive the promise if you persevere. And because of their perseverance, think about the incredible life that we all experience in the Holy Spirit. Think about the fullness and the amazing power that you draw from with being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Isn't it amazing that God dwells in you? Isn't it amazing that the Holy Spirit whispers to you and tells you that the Father loves you and reminds you of all that Jesus has done comforting you? 
and, and, and yet at the same time empowering you to pray, empowering you to serve, empowering you to do things that you just don't have the ability to do unless you have him. And some of you know what I'm talking about. You've experienced what it is to be used of God. You've tasted of the Holy Spirit. You know how he fills you and makes you do things or brings things to mind that you would have never thought of before. And if you haven't experienced in that, that yet, then you've got even more to wait for. I can't wait for you to be filled with him. Some of you have experienced that upon ministry of the Spirit where you've done things that the Spirit of God has just used you in incredible ways and you're like, man, where did that come from? Where you prayed for somebody and all of a sudden they got healed. Whoa, God, that had to be you because I don't have the ability to do that. I can't make those decisions, but he did. When all of a sudden a word of knowledge or wisdom just pops into your spirit and you share that with somebody and that is the breaking point where all of a sudden the, the very thing that God needed to do happens right then and there and they break and they, they come to him or they get through an issue or they get saved, whatever the case is. You guys know what it's like to be used of him. Think about how sweet that is to receive that down payment and to be walking with it. Likewise, when you guys get that degree, we're having a graduation soon. How many in the graduating class this year, guys? Do we know? 40 or 50? Over 50, huge class, praise the Lord. 50 of you around that number are gonna be up here. And for the first time, after four years or however long you've been here, you're gonna receive that certificate. And there's gonna come at that point in time, hopefully not pride, hopefully not arrogance, that's up to you, but hopefully at that time, you will receive this incredible confidence. This, this feeling that you, somebody's got your back, that somebody's gonna vouch for you, that somebody's praying for you, that somebody's looked at all that you've done and said, yep, this is a person that's gonna do the work of the ministry. And when you receive that, you're gonna have incredible joy and it's gonna prepare you for the next thing. But here's the caution, and this is the whole point of why I'm talking to you today. This is what I want you to catch right here. As great as the Holy Spirit is, as great as having a degree is, we're not supposed to remain content with those things. That is only the beginning. Think about it. Think about it. If some guy were to put a ring on the finger of a beautiful bride and were to say, I intend to marry you, I love you, and put this huge down payment on that relationship, and then all of a sudden just stopped right there and said, I'm content to go no further. You'd be like, dude, what is your problem? Wake up, man. There's so much more than just the engagement ring. You would think this guy had some serious issues. Or if somebody were to take a down payment and put it on a home, right, and said, you know, here's $10,000, I'm gonna buy this house and I intend to dwell in it, and then all of a sudden at some point said, but that's all I'm gonna do, I'm just gonna give, I'm just gonna give that 10 grand and I'm never gonna move in, I'm never gonna buy the property. You would be like, this guy is not mentally stable. How in the world can you be possibly, possibly be content just, just not moving in. You, you have to move in. That's what the whole thing is for. Casey and I went to Disney World recently, and that was amazing. What an incredible place that is. And I remember um, we flew there, but some people drive to Disney World, which is like 20, you know, seven or eight hours from here probably. And you could drive all the way there. And imagine if you got like 200 miles away, 200 miles away, and you saw the sign that said Disney World, 200 miles. And you just pulled the car over, got out, and said, ah. Vacation. Everybody be like, dude, what are you talking about? You're not there yet. You're, you're getting close. You're near that point. You've made the, the 
biggest commitment. You've driven, driven almost all the way there, but you've got to step into that, and you've got to know that, man, there's more than just this. You've got the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, sure, but he is just the engagement ring. This is just the beginning. This isn't a place that you're supposed to be contented in. This is something that you are going to move past, that you're going to transcend. That is only a temporal piece of the big picture, the big redemptive narrative that is coming. And I want to show you a little bit about that because I believe that any good Jew who was experiencing this, he would, they would have known that. They would have known that there was something more coming. I want you to think about, for a second, some of the pictures and illustrations we have from the Old Testament, the types and shadows of this stuff. Like the tabernacle, for example. The tabernacle, you had three sections. You had the outer court, and then you had the inner court, and then you had the holies of holies, right? But then you've got three solemn feasts of Israel that I believe that kind of correlate to this. You've got the Passover, which is also the, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, right? And then you have, and, and that's crazy. There's tons of people out in, the, out in the outer court. There's tons of people that take place in Passover that, that participate with the Lord in that. And there's blood being slain everywhere and all that stuff. And it's crazy, right? But then you've got the next one, which is Pentecost, and at Pentecost, you have the Feast of Weeks. And Pentecost is this incredible celebration of the first fruits, right? But then there's one other feast. There's the next level, the Holy of Holies, or what I would think of as the Feast of Booths or Tabernacles. And you might have read about this. My favorite name for the Feast of Booths and Tabernacles, it's referred to also as the Feast of the Ingathering. Right, the in-gathering. And this isn't a celebration that can be contained in an upper room with 120 people. This is a celebration that goes throughout the streets, that goes throughout the city. Everybody is everywhere partying and celebrating in the Lord. And, and it was all about bringing the Lord's people together and celebrating all that he's done. Amen? So the Jews would have known that, man, Pentecost is awesome. The giving of the Holy Spirit is amazing. But these guys would have known that there was something more coming, something even more amazing, because this was just built into their daily life. This was built into their annual calendar. They would have said, what's coming after Pentecost? What's coming after the giving of the Holy Spirit, Jesus? There's got to be another level. There's got to be more. And what is that more? What is that another level? That's the consummation. That's the time when the Holy Spirit is no longer needed because Jesus is going to come back and he's going to draw all of his bride up into himself and there's going to be the wedding of the lamb to his bride. Amen? That is going to be the most incredible, the most exciting. That's going to be the fulfillment of all the promises, and that is the thing that we should be longing for. So we went from a season of waiting in, for the Holy Spirit. Now we're stepped into a new season, waiting for the bridegroom to come back and get his bride. And I am so excited about that. If you go back to what Ephesians 1.4 said, let's look at the language real quick. It says this. The Spirit came to seal us for the day of redemption. He is the seal for the day of redemption. In other words, his sealing work is just temporary. Eventually, we won't need that anymore. Why is that? Because his job was to get into us so that he could bring us in to Jesus. He came into us so that he could bring us in to Jesus. At that time, when the last trumpet sounds, and we're going to be transformed from one image to another. We're going to be transformed into the image of Jesus. At that time, we won't need the indwelling, empowering presence of the Spirit because we will be engulfed in Jesus. We will be brought into him. You know, if you think about the Holy of Holies, when there was only one man that could go in there, 
A crowd couldn't walk in. All of us couldn't get in there. It was like 30 by 30 anyway. It was a small place, right? We couldn't all get in there, but Jesus is going to go into the Holy of Holies, and when he goes in, all of us are going to be in him, brought before the presence of God. It's amazing. It's amazing when you think about it. The time is coming when the world is going to fade away, when the all evil, Satan, all of that will be vanquished, when all sin will be destroyed, and it'll just be you, me, and Jesus. Everlasting joy, unceasing peace, unfathomable love forever and ever and ever. And this, my friends, is the fullness of God that you and I should have taste buds for. We should have a thirst for. We should long for, for him to return, for him to come back. And I know the wait is long. After the down payment's made, the wait always feels long, believe me. I remember when I gave Casey the engagement ring, and I had waited all that time to give it to her, and it was this big ordeal, and we had this amazing day. But after that day, we were engaged for 18 months before the wedding. Don't do that to yourself, okay? Guys, keep the engagement short, all right? And I know there's circumstances that will make it go long, but oh, it was so hard to wait and to wait and to wait. I mean, we had waited all that time to get engaged, and then to wait another 18 months seemed like an eternity. It was awful. But man, there was no greater joy than when that day came to an end. When our wedding day came, it was amazing. It was moving from the down payment to the fullness, to the inheritance, to the ownership, to having everything. Likewise, when, when we moved into the house and then I eventually got the down payment, I made the down payment on the house. It took two months, two long months. Every day felt like a whole month, okay, before the house was finally ours before all of the paperwork had gone through and we could finally like put a hole in the wall and not feel bad about it. And that was amazing. And I remember when we moved from that place, we were just so, so filled and so excited and this was just like a new experience. We loved it. It was powerful. I made a down payment on my, on my call by going to college. And I remember putting all that earnest in and all that work in and receiving that degree and thinking this is amazing and feeling that down payment excitement, right? But then it was three long years before I stepped into full-time ministry. Three long years. Now that might not seem like a long time, but when you have that down payment made, you're like, man, I cannot wait to step into the fullness. I can't, step, I can't wait to step into the call and to actually start to do what I'm supposed to be doing. And when it came, even though I got assaulted the first day it was there by Corey Marriott, it was amazing <laughs> to step into that. I couldn't wait to start. I just felt so filled. You guys are on a journey right now. You are waiting, like the disciples, like the apostles waited for the Spirit. You're waiting to get your down payment. You're waiting to... Get your credentials, the, the, the thing that you need to step into full-time ministry. And I'm going to tell you what, the enemy is going to do his best to totally knock you off your game. He's going to creep in, and he's going to do what he's always done since the beginning. And I've heard it a hundred times, and you're going to hear it if you haven't heard it already. Are you sure that the Lord really said that you're called? 
Are you sure that you heard him? Are you sure that you know you're supposed to go into full-time vocational ministry? You're gonna hear that if you haven't already. And he's gonna try to come. He's gonna come right at the most opportune times. But like the apostles who probably heard the same thing, you sure Jesus is really gonna return? Imagine Paul coming to the end of his days and thinking, man, the spirit, he hasn't come back yet. Imagine penning First and Second Thessalonians about the Lord's second coming and return, and yet not seeing it by the time he passed away. I'm sure the enemy came in and whispered to him, are you sure that he's really going to come back? Are you sure it's really going to happen? You guys are going to have that same thing happen to you, but you got to resist him. Push him off, shut him down, stand on the word of God, do what Jesus did with the temptation and tell him, just preach back what the Spirit already said to you. Remind him of the time when you got that call from the Lord, when you heard from him that I'm, I'm going to send you, I'm going to call you, I'm going to use you as this, I'm going to make you a youth pastor, I'm going to make you a senior pastor, I'm going to make you a missionary or a counselor, whatever it is that you feel called to. Remind him of that. Resist him. And then move on. Press towards that down payment. But not only just the down payment. I remember when I was in school, the one thing that I was like focused on, like laser-like focus, was getting that degree and just like passing the courses. And I really regret only working on passing the courses, all right, and just doing what I had to do to get the grade. It was like I didn't have the vision for after. I didn't have my eyes set on the promise and on the job I was actually going to do, the call that I actually had. I was just like thinking right in front of me, oh, I've got a, I got a test to do. I just got to pass this test. But really, I should have been thinking, how is, how is this, doing this well, knowing this, learning this, going to actually prepare me for the job that I'm going to do? How is this going to get me ready for my call, not just to grade, but for what I'm going to do forever? That was the perspective that I wish that I had, and I'm going to give it to you. I hope that you'll go to your next test, your next class, and you'll say, man, I don't want to just get this grade. I don't want to just keep my GPA up high. I want to really know this stuff because of what God's called me to, not just because I want to please my professor and I don't want to get a bad grade. It's a huge, it's a different paradigm altogether. So learn, work, do it for the sake of preparing for your call, for the fullness that is yet to come, the fullness that you're going to enjoy soon. And as a, as a body, as a people, even those of us that aren't in school anymore, we're all in a place where we've already got that down payment. That down payment's been made. The Holy Spirit has come. You and I already enjoy that fullness and that walking in him, and it's amazing, right? We've got that. And we're going to be entering eventually into this fullness, this inheritance, this end game pretty soon, I hope. Nobody knows the day or the hour, but man, don't you long for it? Don't you long to see him face to face? You know, as you sit here right now, sure, maybe you're a citizen of North America, but here's the thing. You're a citizen of heaven. This isn't your home anymore. Your home is at the right hand of the Father with Jesus. Your home is a heavenly spiritual realm now. You are kind of like passing through here. Theologians call that like the already and not yet. You know, we've already got the promise. We've already got that inheritance. We just haven't really totally stepped into it yet. But boy, don't you just want that so bad. I do. And I hope you do too. Thinking about from the cross to Pentecost, 
I wanted you to identify with what I meant to wait. And you guys are waiting. But we're still waiting, Jesus. We should do what he said to do. We should walk in the power he's provided. And if we do that, when Jesus comes back, when the bridegroom comes to get his bride, we'll be ready. We'll be ready. And it'll be an amazing day. Be saturated with him. Be enthralled by him. And I believe that if you're going to walk in the fullness of your inheritance, if you're going to walk as a child of God, then you're going to need to lean on the Holy Spirit. And I know that in a, in a little while, on May 5th, Dr. Smith is going to be talking about what it means to like actually live as if you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. And I think that's going to be perfect. Because you are us right now. Lord, we, we want our flesh to be put to death. We want to die to the, to the sin nature that we all fight. Lord, we want to be totally alive to you. We want to walk in the Holy Spirit. Lord, we want to be carried along by the Spirit. Lord, we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit in every way. And God, we just need that. I, I pray that any boundaries that would be in the way today, Lord, any strongholds or pockets of unbelief that would be in the heart of anyone in this room today, Lord, that you would just move into that place and you would take that unbelief and you would get rid of it. Lord, that you would replace that with faith and you would replace that with love and life and strength. Lord, that you would take anybody who's downcast today and that you would lift them up, Lord, and you would give them a sight for the victory that's in the future, Lord, the, the winning that's coming down the road, the fact that you're gonna come back and that you're gonna consummate your, our marriage, Lord, that we're gonna be one with you, that nothing in this world really matters because you're coming. God, strengthen your servant who is weak today. Lord, build them up, fill them in a way, Lord, that they haven't been filled maybe in a long, long time. Renew that spiritual fire, Lord God. Give them a hunger and a thirst that, that is insatiable. Lord, help them devour your word. Help them to speak with you, Lord, from the depths of their heart, not just in religious ritual or form, but, Lord, that they would want to talk with you, that they would want to connect with your heart, Lord. God, we need you today. Lord, we need you because you're, you're commissioning us. You're sending out so many of these before me today. Lord, you're sending them out to do incredible works. You have churches for them and ministries for them, Lord, that they're going to shepherd actual people, real people, Lord. And they need your wisdom and your guidance. They need to be led of you in everything that they do. God, would you move today in our midst, Lord? Would you strengthen us, build us up, fill us with fire, Lord, fill us with longing. Lord, help us not be content in this down payment, but to long and press on towards the goal, the upward call in Christ, the prize of knowing you and being found in you, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen.